Welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation. I'm Joey Boudreaux. I'm Sally Gentry. And this, Sally, is episode 78. Wow. And March is National Kidney Month. And in this episode, we'll be talking to Miss Indiana USA, whose mom is waiting on a kidney. And Joey, in this episode, we're going to talk about mental health issues again. And this time, it's going to be about people who have control issues controlling yes and then of course as always we'll be honoring a hero and we'll answer a listener's question if you've got a podcast app certainly you can find us on apple Podcasts, google play or whatever your favorite podcast app might be and you can like us on facebook our donate life louisiana page or you can follow us both on twitter and instagram at donate life la And you can always call us. That number is 504-648-3477. We do want to hear from you. All right, Sally, we got a big show, so let's get started. All righty, let's do. On this episode of The Gifted Life, we have a very special guest. Her name is Darian Arch. She's Miss Indiana, USA. Her mom is also waiting on a kidney, and so it's our pleasure to be able to welcome her to the show. Hey, Darian. Hi. Everything that you do is bold, enterprising, and gregarious. You're a senior majoring in biology at Bethel. Plan to follow in your father's footsteps and work in healthcare, which I, of course, am excited about. Very much a proponent for organ donation. You've been volunteering for uh, National Kidney Foundation, which we speak about uh, quite often here. You were previously the Miss Indiana Teen USA title holder, so obviously you are no stranger to having a crown and plan on putting your platform to good use, which is raising awareness about health care issues and especially with organ donation. I've also heard in your spare time you like drag racing and riding a motorcycle. It's kind of crazy. Yes, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> So can you tell us a little bit about your journey and what got you started, what got you interested in partnering up with Indiana Donor Network? Yes. So my journey started six years ago when my mom was diagnosed with renal failure. And at the time, I was a junior in high school. I didn't know much about organ donation, but when it hit our family, that's when I kind of just really dove into any research I had. And so throughout those six years, it just developed into something bigger. I ended up creating my own website called feelbetterhealth.com, which focuses on organ donation and facts and healthy kidney recipes specifically for renal patients. And then when I became Miss Indiana USA, I knew that it was a great opportunity to use that and team up with an organization. So I chose the Indiana Donor Network. And from there, everything has just elevated to a whole new level. I'm so happy because It's like six years of work I've put in, and I finally reached this prime spot to promote organ donation and what I feel and believe and want to get out there. And this being National Kidney Awareness Month, perfect that we have this and and have you on. Can you tell us a little bit about your mom's journey? Mm -hmm. So it really came out of nowhere. It was acutely diagnosed. My mother had never had any health issues. She was for a few months prior to being diagnosed, had really high blood pressure, constant headaches. And then all of a sudden, she went in that day. They put her on emergency dialysis. It was just a whirlwind all in one day. And, of course, you know, she was scared. She didn't really know what to do. This was all new. And 
Now she's gone through both peritoneal and hemodialysis. She is back at the center doing dialysis three times a week. And, you know, she finds joy in it. She's a very happy person. She's just really upbeat. But, you know, at the end of the day, that is not what she wants to be on. She does not want to be on dialysis. And it's been a four-year wait. And all we could do is just continue to promote this message and push and hopefully find either a donor or a living donor. And Aaron, we saw a piece with you and your mom and what a beautiful mom and daughter but she seemed like such a great person, great role model. A lot of people think, well, you're on dialysis, so at least it gives you some you know, extended time. But people on the outside don't truly understand what it's like being a family member of someone who's on dialysis or, or obviously in your mom's position. Can you tell us a little bit about that in itself? Yeah, so I definitely remember when I was younger and she was doing the peritoneal dialysis at home, we would have just a ton of dialysis bags that she would use and she would have to be hooked up at night for at least eight hours. And not only just watching her do that and having to sleep uncomfortably and do this at home, but anytime that we wanted to travel or go on a family vacation, we either couldn't go or we would have to load up the car with tons of dialysis equipment. And even now that she's back at the center, you know, it's hard to find just being able to enjoy time with the family or being able to just get up and go somewhere and not have to worry about dialysis would be great, but that's not a reality for us. And so anyone looking on the inside, it does, it really just hampers everything that you get up and do every day in normal life. When you are on dialysis, yes, it does help you hold on for a little bit longer, but it's no way to live and it's definitely not enjoyable. So is she on the waiting list, the national waiting list at this time? Yes, she currently is. And she has been for almost four years coming up now. Wow. That's, that's, that's got to be a difficult, anxious, you know, it's got to be a lot of emotions when you're constantly waiting for that call? Yes, it is. And, you know, people always ask, they're like, well, how do you do it? How do you handle it? Why do you think the wait's so long? I, have, I don't know why the wait's so long. Um, maybe, you know, everything happens for a reason. I have to keep trusting and believing in that and just know that something will eventually happen and that's all you can do is just wait and hope because if you sit and get depressed about it or get down about it, it's not going to help the overall no, situation. Right. Did she talk with other potential Folks that are waiting? Yes. So throughout uh, my time with the Indiana Donor Network, we have been looking into living donation. So there are a few other hospitals. She's currently on the IU waiting list. And the Mm -hmm. reason, because she can go and easily get her tests done at home locally every week. She's Mm -hmm. not on the St. Vincent uh, Health just because she would have to travel down to Indianapolis. And that's almost a three-hour drive every week, which she just can't do. Mm-hmm. She currently is on one waiting list, and we're looking into living donation. So I know it's tough. It is a long time. I work on the clinical side. I'm the chief clinical officer, and I see how long these waiting lists are and how many factors that there are that go into it. A lot of people think, well, you know, it, you should just be able to match up, you know, if, if it's a certain blood type with a blood type. But with all the different factors, you know, with it's got to be the same blood type, similar height and weight. And of course, there's a lot of different antigen matching that goes into it. With such an extensive waiting period, has either Indiana Donor Network or maybe National Kidney Foundation found any help or support groups for you guys? Yeah. So the Indiana Donor Network has been amazing at just developing and connecting us with the support groups, as well as her dialysis center. They have been just working hard for her. Her doctor has, her social worker has, So it's really all coming together now, partnering with the Indiana Donor Network, being able to have access to that information and getting connected with people has been a big help. What are some of the ways that you guys and you in particular have promoted awareness for Kidney Foundation and kidney donation? I do a lot through social media, my official accounts, but the number one way, which I have 
found extremely useful is really diving into the high school population. There are so many people who are about ready to get their license, who are just signing up to get their license, and it's a perfect opportunity to educate them because they're going to go to the license branch, they're going to be asked, and they need to be educated beforehand. So just giving that out, going to high schools, helping students talk to their parents about making that decision is just a great audience to have. And to be able to educate people and what will help and how they can become donors, I think is just instrumental in what you're doing also. Yeah. So I do have a question for you. I know that you're planning on attending medical school and uh, want to become a general practitioner, and you're talking about a medical spa. So tell me a little bit more about that goal. (laughs) So my goals have kind of changed in the past couple of years, so they haven't got around to updating that yet, but just throughout my entire career. So um, I was a mortuary intern back in high school. I got to do a lot of embalmings, and I got to proceed in autopsies and Ah, view those, and being the official cadaver dissection intern now at Bethel College, it's, you know, I've... I've been around the human anatomy enough. I have a love for organ donation, so I'm really leaning towards the surgical and transplant surgeon route now. I huh. just—I found that niche. I found that calling, and that is where I want to go. I still do plan to open up a medical spa alongside with that, but I know this is the way I can carry my platform and my passion for it throughout life. Oh, that's wow. excellent. You know, people are always so conscious about organ donation, and should I do it? Is this, you know, is this the right option for me? Because they don't, they don't have to live in a world where this is your life. This is what is going to save your life. And, you know, with my mom being my everything right now, I, just, I have to remind people that you are doing a good thing. And we bury and cremate so many organs every year that can be used. I've seen it firsthand. I've done it firsthand. And it's just it's so important to just really sit down and think of a bigger picture and really just address all of your concerns so that you can make that conscious decision. Well, we definitely thank you for putting this as a platform. But before we go, I have to ask, tell me about the drag racing. I mean, really, how did <laughs> yes, this come about? Yes, when I was a young girl with my dad, he was always in the cars. And as a young girl, you know, I was, I was in sports. I was a tomboy, but I was never really interested in cars. So I blew it off. And so right around the time where I got my license and my dad introduced me to his just Love, pride, and joy, his Corvette. Yep. <laughs> of course it is. I got to take my driver's test in it, and I, I fell in love. And I got back in the garage with my dad, and he started teaching me everything about cars, how to build them, what we were doing in racing, what engines we were putting in. And I just, I, I caught on to it, and I oh, loved it, wonderful. and I loved helping my dad. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it grew, and I was pretty much in the garage with my dad every weekend. And we love going, you know, we don't do it professionally, we do it as a hobby, but we love trailering our cars down there, and... Just, you know, releasing stress. Well, <laughs> Our family has a lot of stress, and that is one way we got out of it. And it has stuck with me forever. And, you know, cars, cars are my passion, too, so I'll never get rid of that. So what's the fastest you've done? So I, my car currently, I have a GTR. So it, it is running a 9.8 at 145. Wow. So we're, we're trying to get it quicker. I don't have the money right now to upgrade the turbos, but it'll eventually come once I become a doctor. Yeah. I'm jealous. The most I do with mine is change my oil and, uh, and <laughs> air filters <laughs> and drive 70. Well, thank you so much, Darian, again, for making donations such a passion. Absolutely. We are doing you know, everything that we can to promote awareness, and it's such a big help when platforms such as yours that's on such a big stage can help spread that news. We talk about the power of one, you know, one person making a difference. And you are certainly making that difference 
in donation. Thank you for coming on and sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for having me. And definitely, thank you so much for using your platform in such an impactful way. Where can we go to learn more about you and your story? Do you have any, uh, you mentioned a website. Yes, so everything that I have is on MissIndianaUSA.com. And from there, you can connect to my whole social media world, my story. You can always, they have every update for me weekly, daily. So I'm always up there and current event-wise, you can find out there. previous podcasts, we talked a little bit about mental health and some mental health issues, and we decided that we would make it more of a consistent part of our podcast. There are so many people who themselves are experiencing or know someone who's experiencing mental health issues. And of course, we've got a mental health professional working with us on the show here, Ms. Sally Gentry, who's going to talk to us today about controlling behaviors. Hey, Joey. How are you today? Great, Sal. Good. Well, for those of you that don't know me, I am a licensed professional counselor and board certified. So, I, And I've got a number of years, approximately 30, that I've been doing mental <laughs> health. So I have a little bit of experience in the field, too. But today, you know, we all run across those folks who want to tell us what to do because they always know better than what we know. And then you ever notice, Joey, when you run across someone like that, you automatically, oh, something just, oh, this yep. really kind of gets to me. Yeah, it does. Generally, you will see people that have a tendency to want to tell you what to do and how to behave and this sort of advice as they think it is. But we find folks many times to be judgmental, critical, mean-spirited, finding fault, jealous, and we wonder, where does that come from? Why, why are we kind of getting the end of this? And, you know, many times we don't stop and think about, okay, what's been going on for these folks that they feel the need to control us? Mm-hmm. Many times what we'll find is it's due to traumatic or abusive life experiences that they have gone through. There's a lack of trust in other people. They have a low, damaged self-esteem And I think the thing that I find that jumps out most to me from many individuals is they feel that they have to be perfect. And if they don't hit that perfect mark, even though none of us know what perfect truly is, because there's just not some template out there that goes, okay, this is perfect. And if you live up to that, you will be a perfect individual. So there's that fear of failure. But you know what I found too? That most of the time, and I'm talking from my own perspective, is that it's so much easier for me to control you than it is for me to control me. (laughs) You ever find that? Yeah. Yeah. And because when it comes down to, all right, how do I take care of myself? How do I be responsible for my actions, my thoughts, my behaviors? And many times we do. We just go, well, Joey hadn't said that, I'd be a whole lot better off. But that's not really true unless you were really trying to make me feel bad, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that one thing that we need to keep in mind when we run across folks who feel that need to try to control us is that we just recognize that it's a whole lot easier to control others than it is to control ourselves. And sometimes you can kind of say that in a very diplomatic way, and then other times you just kind of have to let it go. And 
realize this is what's going on for those individuals that want to be that way. Well, that was great information, Sally. If anyone's interested in finding out more, they can find it on lopa.org under the Family Services tab. We have many resources, support resources, grief support, and other things. So you can certainly find us there. And if you've got any other topics that you want Sally to talk about, shoot us an email at info at lopa.org. We'd like to hear from you. As in every episode of The Gifted Life, we like to honor a hero. This little hero comes to us from Indiana. His name is Logan Vanderclede. Logan Vanderclede was an extraordinary, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, two-year-old boy who brought a smile and a sense of love to those around him. His laugh came from his soul and warmed the hearts of those who heard it. Logan would freely give a heartfelt hug or a fist bump to share his love. He was extremely entertaining, energetic, and enjoyed playing with and teasing his older sister. Logan exemplified his great love for Christ through his love for others. He enjoyed attending church, Sunday school, and praying before meals and at bedtime. He loved Spider-Man, watching blue tractor videos, listening to music, decorating his sticker book, wearing everyone else's shoes, climbing on everything without fear and then jumping into your arms, cuddling with his star blankie and dancing his super cute dance moves. He especially loved the outdoors and spending time on the family farm, riding on the tractor, excavator, skid steer, and combine. Logan was on the farm when an accident occurred causing severe brain damage. While we were praying for a miraculous recovery, Logan's brain continued to shut down. During that time, we decided if we could not have our son here on earth with us, we would unselfishly try to help others. So that week, we asked if Logan would be a candidate for organ and tissue donation if he did not recover. Then the Indiana Donor Network came in and explained the donation process to us. We made the decision for Logan to be a donor, and his tissues were donated after he passed away. There are no words to describe the pain of losing a child. Within six months of Logan's passing, we received a heartfelt letter from the recipient family in Missouri. Lillian, their seven-month-old daughter, received Logan's heart valves and now has a chance at life. While only God can carry us through the pain of losing our son, it is comforting to know that through Logan's death, there is life. God has allowed us to see his healing hand at work, and the positive impact Logan's life continues to have on others through donation. It is a decision we pray others would make, and it is a decision we would make again in a heartbeat. If you'd like to know more about Logan's full story, check out the family's Love for Logan page on Facebook. At this time, we pause and say thank you to Logan for the gift of life. our question and answer segment. This question, Sally, comes from Facebook. The question is, and it's for you, if a family wanted to know or meet the person their family member's organs went to, how will we go about that? Well, that's a great question, and we get those questions like that many, many times as we're talking with different families. And what we do is we recommend that you write a letter. Tell a little bit about your loved one, interests, hobbies, things they like to do, other family members, they had children, just, you know, whatever you might be comfortable sharing and let the person know 
that you're interested in having contact, you'd send it to us at LOPA, and we'd be glad to forward it on to the Transplant Center, because I don't know if many of you know this, that we do not have direct communication with recipients due to confidentiality, but by you writing the letter and us sending it over to the Transplant Center, wherever it may be, that will certainly open up the door for communication. And at that point, if the recipient would like to have contact also, we will help facilitate that happening for you. And if you would like to have more information about this, you can send us an email at familieservices@lopa.org, or you can certainly give us a call at 1-800-521-4483 and ask for family services. Another episode coming to an end. Yes, and we give our special thanks to Darian Arch, Miss Indiana, USA, for sharing her story and also sharing the story about her mom who's on a waiting list for a kidney. What a great platform, and clearly she's driven, you know, and she's going to certainly be that one and make a difference. Yes. Thank you guys for listening. Don't forget, please register as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. You can register anytime. You don't even need to leave your house. Just use your computer or your smartphone, registerme.org. Do something today that you wouldn't normally do to make life happen. This is a production of the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, or LOPA. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele, Joey Boudreau, and Sally Gentry. Our producers are Kirsten Hines and Shalon Caraway. We are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Metairie, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez.